Hello everyone and welcome to Sober Gay Podcast, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to inspiring stories of people who have found freedom and joy in living an alcohol-free life. Hosted by myself, join us each week as we have fun and engaging conversations with everyday people about their journey to sobriety. From the challenges to the triumphs, come get inspired and learn about the amazing lives of those living a sober life. I really hope you enjoy listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Sober Gay Podcast with me, Sean. So today I've got a guest, which is also called Sean. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very well, thanks. Good. Very Thank good. you for yeah spending your Saturday morning with me um, and just to have a little chit chat about your alcohol-free journey and things. So yeah, I appreciate your time and uh, I look forward to starting to get to know you and chat. Um, so if you want to just tell a little bit about yourself, like tell the listeners who who is Sean and where you're from and all that stuff. Um, so I'm from Kent, um, northwest Kent, grew up in Gravesend. Um, I'm still in the area. Mm. Um, uh, live with my wife. I'm 35. A salesman full time. Um, just an average bloke, really. Um, I grew up in um, Gravesend, and my it, it was yeah pretty pretty. It felt pretty average at the time, but since obviously coming on this journey, you sort of reflect on how I've come to the point of giving up alcohol. And what alcohol meant to me, you do kind of go back and do some digging, don't you? So um, uh, my mum and dad split up when I was eight. And um, I later found out when I was about 25, when I had a breakdown and that had quite a profound effect on me. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't know really until um, I went into um, therapy uh, after being arrested. But we'll, we'll probably get to that point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so... Um, I guess it kind of starts from there, really. If, if, if when my mum and dad split up, I, um, I was quite aware of what was going on. Mm. And, um, at the time, at the night that it happened, that I knew it was all over, um, my mum's friend was round and she, you know, she came up to me and said, are you okay? And I said, but my instant reaction was, no, I'm not in, I remember in my mind and what come out was, yeah, I'm fine. She said, oh, you're such a good boy. And that was it. From that moment on, that was who I was going to be, was good for yeah. everyone else. Um, and the divorce kind of turned into a bit of a war, really. Um, and there was a lot of pain in the house, especially for my mum, being now being single mum. My parents are, are people that grew up in a time when mental health and things like that wasn't really spoken about. Or yeah. if it was, it was very surface level. Um, so I think they were two people in their mid-30s, early 40s, the age that I am now, um, dealing with some quite heavy stuff and not really knowing how to. Um, and the result of that, especially me now turning into this person who wants to make everyone else happy and be good and suppress my feelings, I, mean, I didn't really develop any kind of, I don't think, any sort of emotional maturity. Mm. Um and what happened sort of around my teens is I started playing um, golf and golf's quite a solitary sport. So while my mum's going through what she's going through and with, and it didn't feel like there was any room for me and my feelings at that time, it was all about her um, escaping to the golf course and being on my own was, mm. was quite therapeutic really. But in and around that environment was a lot of adults who were drinking Um the golf course that I, I joined as a kid um, was essentially just a working man's club of a golf course on the side. I think a lot of a lot of people that would do well to visit a podcast like this uh, <laughs> were using golf as a reason to visit the clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there was a lot of drink, there was a lot of drugs and um, and things like that. And I was quite aware of it, quite exposed to it as a, a young age. Mm. and where I wasn't sort of happy within myself and suppressing those feelings, I just saw, like, blokes that were my age now, they all just look so happy. 
boozing, having a laugh, talking about what happened the night before, playing golf, had friends around them. And where my kind of foundation of my family had been sort of shaken and shifting, it was moving all the time um, with lots of arguments and um, things like that. I, I sort of looked at them and I thought, that's where that's where life is. That's what a, uh, kind of masculinity is, I suppose, and what it is to be a man. So feeling a bit lost and trying to find it within what looked to me like this great paradise of being an adult and having a beer in your hand. Yeah. Um, now what happens there is you don't develop emotionally and that stuff's got to come out eventually. Right. And it did sort of over the years, um, as my relationship with alcohol sort of when it started and then sort of progressed into something that was probably medicinal, um, probably a lot, you know, similar to a lot of people's stories that you use it as a way of escaping pain, yeah. um, that you don't know how to deal with. And sometimes it can be like a slow process where that is. It's like sometimes it can go from going to just going to the pub with your friends, just like super chill. But then it's like you're doing it like more than usual and things like that. Um, yeah. I wanted to point a touch on when you said that when you went to see someone, like when you went to th started therapy, I feel like in my experience with therapy, I feel like when you speak to somebody else that's not your friends or family and stuff, they tell you things and you see things in such a different way. And then it like kind of makes you click, don't you? Doesn't it? Um, yeah. Do it's you think... interesting. Sorry, yeah. And do you think as well, like I was thinking about it, like last week, I think I heard something. And do you know when you, when you're, when you're a kid or like when you're younger, you look at your parents and you feel like, you put them in such like a high pedestal but then when you're actually an adult you kind of like have a bit of sympathy for what they maybe went through in the past do you know what I mean yeah I think especially going through therapy and understanding um my feelings there there was a lot of realizing that your parents were just human and they made mistakes and then you do yeah. feel angry about the mistakes that they made yeah right but then if you look at it the way that You've just explained it, and I, me and you walk into, uh, I walk onto Oxford Street, and we pick two random people in their thirties and go, right, you're responsible for me for eighteen years, yeah, and every every decision I make and my emotional well being, that's basically what it is, yeah. You know, they're not any more qualified than anyone else. They're yeah. just two random people that you happen to be born to, and when you look at it that way, um, it's quite a it's a strange realization that, you know, they're not God, they don't have it figured out. And yeah. I, I think I realized that quite late. I think, I don't know statistically when people figure that out, but I don't think I was in my early twenties mm. when I was like, ah, oh, shit, like I can't just hand everything over to everyone else, my feelings are my own. Yeah. And my, my life is my own and I've got to take responsibility for it rather than being a victim of life, you know? Mm. Yeah, and like realizing that everyone's just trying to do their best in their way, and it's their, it's like everyone's first time of doing everything. It's everyone's first time of maybe being having a kid, or maybe everyone's first time of like trying to stop drinking. You know, like yeah, <laughs> we're all trying to do it. And you know, even like even when people kind of um comment on things online and things, it's like oh, like I've slipped up. I did like two weeks and like I'm doing it, but then it's like it's fine. Everyone's trying to, everyone's trying to do it. You know, it's not like everyone's trying to get on with life and trying to their best. So yeah, yeah. so I think, yeah, I think I'm 153 days now. Oh, amazing! And it's not my first rodeo. Really, <laughs> <laughs> I've sworn off alcohol and gone shorter stints yeah so many times and you but you take those experiences and you add them up and you total them up and you go oh okay I can see where where yeah. that, where I sort of I let I got drunk over that issue do you know what I mean it's like, yeah how is um, it how did it feel like how does it feel does it feel differently now that because you've done like such a huge stint does it feel different now to when you've done it like before yes um the difference is I accepted, wholly accepted mm. that um, I had an issue with it. Yeah. And before, I didn't, 
it's like, I don't know if I didn't want to accept it or I just didn't have the understanding of myself to do yeah. it. Now, I, I, I did two years in counselling from when I was 26 to when I was 28. Mm. And um, being arrested brought me to that situation because I'd had a breakdown. And I still drank for 10 years. Mm. And I think it was last year probably around a year ago that I actually wholly accepted that I had an issue with it and I was still drinking. And what happened was I got so tired of trying to manage it. I got so tired of trying to fix my problems while still drinking and thinking this isn't working. I keep, I, I get, I, I found myself getting accidentally drunk. Mm. And that was the, that was the point where I was like, right, okay, well, I just accepted it. I went, well, once I start, I can't stop. I made it a bit of a joke. I just told everyone, oh, I'm a bit of a legend. Do you know what I mean? I'll go out on a Wednesday. Once I start, I can't stop. Yeah. And then as the as the year progressed, how I said that sentence slowly changed it from a joke into once I start, I can't stop. Yeah. And then once I'd wholly accepted that as part of myself, I was like, okay, well, now we know it and we believe it it's a part of me, what am I going to do about it? And that was, that was the point that brought me to the change, but trying to manage our, trying to manage my relationship with alcohol 15 years is, it's hard work. Mm -hmm. It's hard work staying off it. Yeah. But it's hard work managing it. There's, there's, they're two very different types of pain. And it's probably hard work to manage it when you are that type of person where it's like all or nothing. Mm. It's like, it's yeah. like some people can just be able to just have a couple and not, but some some people can't, and it's like that you even though that you've like like it was kind of like a joke before, but it's like realizing it that it's like oh shit no actually, but some but it it can take a while though as well, and that's that, that's like you're a prime example because like that in like now like everyone it's normal to drink isn't it like it's normal to drink in like in quotation marks like it's so normalized mm. so it's it is hard if to someone to to even know that it it might be a problem because in society it's just so normal everyone just like most people just go out on the weekend gets drunk and and you kind of don't see the problem in it but actually when it's like no actually it is a fucking problem like I need to just change like it yeah. is it is something that you have to do, isn't it? Well, there's two things in that there for me. Was this, was this the first bit when you said, you know, there's people that can take it or leave it. And there are take it or leave it drinkers. And I'm so jealous of them. That yeah. They can enjoy it and, it, you know, take it or leave it. And then on the other end, there's what people would automatically assume alcoholic means, which mm -hmm. is like underneath the bridge of a brown paper bag. Yeah. There's got to be room for people in the middle, right? There's got to be mm -hmm. a spectrum. And if it's not working for you, it's not working for you. So the same thing I would apply to gambling. So I can put a football accumulator on or I can go and bet on the golf or when um, I sit the Grand Nationals on, I'll, go, I'll, I'll put a few bets on yeah, and then never think about it again. Yeah. But there's people out there losing houses over gambling. So I, what works for me in what I need to take my pain away might not be the same as someone else. Yeah. And I feel like, um, you know, alcohol is the only drug that you have to justify why you don't take it. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm, we're going to sit here and go, going to walk into a into a, a social event and go, hey, you know, how are you going, Sean? You're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm staying off the crack. So that's good. <laughs> People, like, it, doesn't, yeah. it don't make sense, does it? No, and it they doesn't. Go, oh, why, 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 are you not, why are you not hitting the pipe, bro? Come on. <laughs> you know, and, and, that's, and alcohol is just a drug. It's just a, it, it's a chemical that, it forces you to feel effects it gives you anxiety there's side effects there's you know it, yeah. it's a very odd thing but you know when you consider how much money it makes and something like 8.8 .8 billion pounds is spent every year marketing alcohol you see a peronia and it's a guy sat on sat on a beach with like his model girlfriend and he's drinking a peroni or you know that's not my experience of drinking peroni going to a weatherspoons at 10 o'clock in the morning yeah but <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is but that's how they market it to you and they spend a lot of money to get you to believe that you celebrate with it you grieve with it you unwind Everything. with it you do it to have a good time it's having come out of it with this attitude and 
and feeling like I'm not missing out and feeling like I'm actually letting go of something or escaping something yeah. and changing that mindset. I look at it now and I think it's nuts. What is that all about? Oh my God, Sean, that is such a good sentence that you've just said. Like letting go of it and like not even seeing like you're missing out of it is like, that is it now, isn't it? And it's like, I feel like it's like a cl- like something that clicks in your head because even last night I was like, usually Friday night's quite difficult, like was quite difficult at the beginning, like especially the first hundred days for me, I was like, oh, Friday night after a long week of work, like glass of wine. But like last night, I didn't even feel that. But like, I think you do like, it takes a while, but you realize that you are, you're not, you're thinking more of like, oh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to feel fab. I've not had like a bottle of wine. And it is realizing that you are literally letting something go and like you're gaining so much more like, you're going to feel fresh tomorrow. You're going to enjoy your Saturday. You're not going to like maybe lay in and feel shit. So yeah, that is, I can resonate with you so much with that. Yeah. I saw your post actually. Oh yeah. And I was really pleased for you. I was like, good man. You know, and I saw, I thinking... saw, I saw yours as well about the wedding thing as well. Cause I've, I've been to a few weddings recently and the first one was actually quite difficult. And I don't know what bit was difficult for you, but I think the bit, the difficult bit for me was the like beginning bit, you know, when they like hand out like drinks and mm. things. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was an odd, that was an odd experience. Cause in the 150 days, yeah. I felt like I'd gone back to day one. It was that feeling of I'm miss, like I'm missing out, I'm missing out because yeah. where, I mean, there's a group of friends that I've known for 20 years and the cat, because I've, I deal with I had a low sense of self Mm. it's better now and a very low self-value when I was with my friends I would portray this character of you know I you know my thing is I always think I'm not enough I don't think I I don't understand life or I can't do it correctly and I'm working on trying to reframe how Mm. what correctly means to me and actually taking ownership of my own thing right but when you're in that and you're in the hole of using drink to give you what you miss within yourself in general life. Um, I played up to his character as someone who, ah, oh, happy go lucky. He's a lovable rogue. He doesn't give a shit. Do you know mm. what I mean? And, and that's actually not who I am. I do care deeply about um, how, what I get from my life and what I put in mm. and my fear of failure is really high and I do, you know I do care but because I care so deeply and it upsets me so much if I do fail because of my self-esteem to counteract that your brain has to find a defense mechanism and that is right I'm going to be the lager lout I'm yeah. going to be this guy that will say it's got great banter and say this and say that and, and it comes so easy when you drink because you don't care um and walking into a room of friends who know me as that character yeah. and me going, I don't like that person anymore. I've let them go. Where am I now? It was like, it's just, I felt just like, I just need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I can't think, I can't talk to people, can't maintain eye contact. And that, that isn't, you know, you have people in the comments, like, oh, I'll just have a few. And we have that con- conversation about managing it and stuff. Yeah. But my, my thing is that I don't want from life to use, I want to like who I am and I want to feel enough in yeah. as many areas of my life as possible and find some sort of spiritual core within myself that is solid. Mm. And then I can pass that on to, you know, my children and, and allow them to find a way of finding that within themselves that my parents didn't allow me to find, right? Yeah. So the point is not that I want to take alcohol away from everyone and and, and you can't have fun and, and take drugs and stuff. They exist for adults. We know that, right? Yeah. But my, the thing is about that, that my experience at that wedding was in a group of people that have known me for 20 years and seen the worst of me, warts and all, mm. I still feel really nervous. And yeah. that's the concerning thing. It's not that, obviously, it's concerning. I would, you know, if I have one drink, is too many because a hundred isn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing with what I wanted to get across in that post was out of 150 days, this one event where I should be most comfortable, where I felt most uncomfortable, and that is the reason why I drink. So that's what I'm investigating, you know, I'm taking ownership yeah. of that pain. Um, it's really interesting, isn't it? Um, because you want to, 
you essentially want to be like comfortable in your own self without without the drink and that is that is such a good thing to even figure out yourself isn't it because it's like I want to be the best version of myself and these are the little like these are kind of challenges that are going to happen isn't it and that that it sounds like quite a big challenge that but you're doing the right steps for to to learning about yourself yeah I mean I mean that's my experience right it might not be everyone's I mean I don't know that's the thing Um... isn't it about like drinking like everyone's experience is like different like and I feel like you can't like sometimes when people ask you advice or things like that it's like you're it's everyone's relationship with alcohol is so different so and everyone's relationship with themselves is different but I feel like it can be really difficult to not drink sometimes because you you um you have to like deal with your own emotions (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, and if if you if you if you get to a point where in your life there's certain emotions that you can't deal with, mm. the brain the brain loves comfort, mm. but there's no there's no progress in comfort. There's no, you know yeah, and that's why that's why I keep referring to pain is it's painful being a drinker. It's painful going to work on Tuesday, still hungover anxious and playing a character in work of someone whose professional can be trusted yeah. um, with responsibility when at the weekend you were verbally abusing a friend or mm. whatever it is you have an episode of a reason why we'd all swear off drink um that's hard work mm. it's so hard being a drinker oh my god yeah <laughs> um, because it's all the I- shit that comes after it, isn't it it's like the anxiety the like feeling shit oh no I could I would don't want to feel like that again fuck that <laughs> no, I remember getting in in the shower thinking at, at half seven in the morning thinking uh, trying to leave for the last minute trying to spend the longest time in bed trying to avoid life at all you know at all cost yeah. and thinking how am I going to get through today mm. and I haven't felt like that since stopping drinking and and there were points there were points where it was like how am I going to get through this event at work or how am I going to you know how am I going to deal with this shitty encounter with a friend or family member or someone a customer or whatever Mm -hmm. because my normal go-to is to avoid that and search for comfort rather than dealing with the pain and growing from it just to search for comfort and switch it off um but again isn't it yeah, it's not. I there, there's so many cliches in the sober community, isn't there? Mm. And they they all keep coming to mind. But one of them I heard was, "It's not easy, but it gets easier." Yeah. It does. Um. So yeah. how so how was um how has it been with like your mates and things then from like being that like person that used to drink and things? Um. um how how was that relationship changed? You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but no, just... it's fine. It's, I've, so I was quite, there's a bit, it's a bit of a long answer to that one in in that I was quite, I was so unhappy Mm. in my life until um, about, it was 25, 26 when um, I'd come out of a a relationship and I wasn't ready for a relationship. I was living with someone, living with a girl who, um, I just I, I wasn't emotionally mature enough to handle a long-term relationship but it's what I wanted because I thought it would fix me and make me happy and you can't really instill your happiness and that responsibility on someone else yeah um, and, I, and and my early 20s were littered with um, blow-ups after drinking you know arguments with friends getting caught drink driving um you know, changing jobs because I'm hungover, where I'm like, I've got to leave this job. It's not making me happy anymore. Yeah. Not knowing that I just was unhappy. You know, trying to find externally so much stuff. And I think my friends could see for a long time that I wasn't happy. I just didn't admit it. I had a very, very strong victim mentality. Life just happened to me. Right. Um, and I was I don't think I was a very good friend because of that. Um, and when that relationship I was talking about ended. Um, the person I was with started a relationship very soon after um, 
I had left and the the new person had moved into the house that we shared together. Okay. Um, and I was, my ego and my emotional maturity was, it was all over the show. So I felt like this had been done to me. There weren't just two two people who had met, fallen in love and got together. And unfortunately, that was soon after I'd split up with someone and that pain is going to hurt and you sit and you deal with that pain like a healthy person does. Yeah, They had done it to me. And my response to that was so unhealthy that I found myself drinking. Um, I'd made my way over to the house that I used to live in. His car was parked on the drive and I took a key to it oh my God. Um, all the way around. And I, that was that was very out of character for me to do something so heinous and so despicable, really. Um, and... so that kind of the next morning I carried on drinking through the night after I'd done it and after I'd got home to my own flat where I was living and I phoned my mum and I said you better get around here because something's wrong like Mm. I've I've done uh, even though I was hammered I knew I'd really crossed the line and as I was coming to that day after a sleep and a hangover and shame and regret and you know, knowing that something was wrong, I said, you have to drive me to the police station now. Yeah. Because after that, I didn't know where I was going. Once I'd done that to this poor fella's car, I didn't know where I was going after that. So I needed to hand myself over to something else, something bigger than me, because my mum was doing her what she thought was best and trying to protect me. No, we're not taking you. And she'd done that my whole life, kind of, um, protect me from consequences of my own actions. Again, just not owning my own, you know, being responsible for my feelings, my own pain. And I walked into a police station and said, I'm here to report myself for committing a crime. And the receptionist was like, what? what you I was like, yeah, I've, yeah. She was like, I don't know how to deal with this. No one's ever done that before. Um, and then for, for four days after that, I don't think I'd, I saw anything above the skirting board. I just looked at the floor. I was so devastated at the person I'd become. Yeah. Um, that I don't think I spoke for four days. I didn't, I definitely didn't shower mm. um, or even want to get out of bed, see or talk to anyone. I'd completely broken down. I wanted to delete myself from, from life. And that's what, that's what my intention was. Mm. Now, when I was called into the police station, what happened next changed the course of my life, really. Um, I spoke, I was interviewed under caution, and I spoke to a police officer who said that I can see how much pain you're in. We're, obviously, we need to take some form of uh, recourse here because you can't go around committing criminal damage. But I've spoken to my custody sergeant. We can do a community resolution order where you would pay for his car to be repaired. Um, And I will do that for you on the promise that you will go and get some help for yourself. Um, She said that she had, the the police officer said that she had experienced some mental health problems and she found that mindfulness and journaling had worked. So she said, at the very least, can you just go home and write down your feelings? If you do that for me, I'll do this for you. Yeah. Now, obviously, that wasn't the result that I think the other party was looking for, and rightly so. Um, they were obviously very angry, and uh, and I would love to be able to apologise, but I don't think they'd entertain a conversation with me, which I'm not shocked at. Yeah. Um, but I did. I, I I registered with the mental health team. I had um, got taken into a, a long-term counselling programme of mind. And the work that I did in that room once a week for two years with uh, a guy called Jazz saved my life, I think, mm. um, and really kind of gave me an opportunity to investigate my childhood, investigate, you know, how this divorce had affected me, the way that I was being parented, what were my feelings, who was I, and Frank gave me a bit of foundation. Mm. Um, so my friends knew, In the, the short answer is they knew that something wasn't right. Yeah. Um but the stigma around alcohol still applies. You know, my friends want me to be happy, but they'll still go, oh, all right, Sean, do you want a fruit shoot? Yeah. Oh. As a joke. Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? So it's a really complex issue. Oh, that annoyed me. I, I, it's, I, I don't know how to deal with it. Because if I was drunk, I would come back with something very witty, I'm sure. But yeah. 
it just went huh. Um, but that, that you know they knew. But it's, it's such a complex issue that you know when you stop drinking, you actually accidentally shine a light onto other people's drinking. Yeah. And then they go, well, you're right because I drink like that, and I'm like, well, that's that's your that's your beef, isn't it? Fine. <laughs> but you're like yeah, you're, that, that's so so great that you're just like so strong enough now to be like, yeah, I'll have a street fruit shoot and what? <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? but yeah. like thank you for sharing all that stuff with the like the police and things because actually that in a way you probably look back at that now as something that you will probably feel bad about definitely yeah. but then also yeah, yeah. it's like you said it was like a change in your life where it's like that came with like two years of talking to someone that made you realize like oh it's not just the the um thinking about like it's all about me with the relationship it's more it's a load it's not just mm. that it's like your like childhood it's the drink it it's like it's and and you kind of needed to talk about that so in a way it's kind of good that these sometimes it's like shit when things happen but actually ends up being like quite yeah when you and 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 life moving towards um sobriety started then because in my first session with um counsel i'd never even considered talking therapy i thought you know what am i going to talk to someone for like a lot of people do yeah um uh they said you know what do you want to get out of it i said i want to be con- i want to be content i want to like myself and i want to drink with impunity yeah and they were my answers to a uh someone who had spent years studying to help people in psychotherapy and i told him that i want you to be able to fix me so that i can drink as much as i want that's basically what I was saying. He must have been like, "What are you on about?" He was like, "What?" Um, and but that's how that's how under the under the cloud of you know addictions a strong word, but yeah, you can you can put it like that. But actually, it kind of pushed me into a point where um, the more and more I investigated and got in touch with my feelings, started owning owning my pain to my friends, saying that I'm not happy, I don't like myself. Yeah. Rather than trying to be this someone who pretend to be someone who does like themselves. Um, you know, kind of led me to the point where I was like, if I really do actually want my life to change, then I need to knock the drink on the head and really go through the pain because it's painful being a drinker. Mm. It can be painful stopping drinking, but I know it's choosing your heart, isn't it? It's, I know which I'd prefer. Mm, definitely, 100%. Um, oh, thank you for chatting about all of this. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the time. Um, so... I'll ask you a little bit about like maybe like what was the reason for letting go of drinking. I think we've touched it on a like mm. here. Um, but like, yeah, so tell me a bit like of like the last time you ever drank, like literally like 150, what was it, days ago? I think it's 153, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, maybe just be like explain what what was that day like, or was it kind of just like a like a this was a it was it was a day of days that I'd had a lot of in the last year where I was I needed to uh, uh, I needed time to myself mm. and, and I'd I'd been to play football in the morning it was a bank holiday the next day uh, and I said to my wife like I'm gonna go and watch the football after um, after I've played uh, with the lads and I just I knew I just had no intention of having a couple yeah because I know once I start I don't stop and I'd I'd stayed out all day I drank all day done what I wanted to do with no thought for someone else um and there was a lot of it I'd noticed that I'd started secret drinking there was in a couple of weeks before probably not a couple of weeks it was probably more months before I'd mm. I'd been in I'd had a drink the night before and I'd got in I had a meeting at 10 o'clock and I used to buy uh, booze for the train home and I had a vodka and coke left in my bag while I was on the way into work. And I drank that at half past nine in the morning to see me straight to get into a meeting. Um, that was with a previous employer, I must add, not my <laughs> current one. Um, but uh, that, so that was kind of leading up to that. And I just sort of was a bit horrified at myself for that. But, you know, months before. But the, the very last day I'd spent all day out and I woke up the next day um, feeling ropey and... I've done it again. I've done it again. And my wife and my my daughter were playing in the living room in front of me and I just wasn't there. I just wasn't present. Mm. And I looked at them and I thought, 
in five, if I carry on in five years time, this will all be gone. And then that really scared me. And I thought, well, why will it be gone? Because I'm drinking. Okay. Why am, why am I drinking? Because I need to escape life. That's what I used it for to switch off. What am I switching off from? Why am I switching off? And then that, it's that why, that what for, that why, why are you, why are you escaping a life that you're working so hard to create? Mm. And that's where I was like, right, it's time to go back. So I then uh, phoned a counsellor. I stopped drinking. I phoned a counsellor that week, booked an appointment for the next week, and I've been in therapy since. Um, doing that work. And actually, that's why it's so different this time, because I wasn't bothered about the drinking. I was more interested about why I was drinking. Yeah, that is... That is actually super interesting that you said the why, because I've had a couple of people on the podcast say, like, just when you're stopping drinking, think of, like, the whys. Uh, I've never thought of that before until I've spoken to people about it. But it's so true, isn't it? Like, you've just said, like, am I drinking because I'm, like, stressed or, like, work is intense? Or am I drinking because, like, when you do think of the why you're, you are drinking, that that's where you get the answers, isn't it? Yeah, I know it's your podcast. I'm interested to know your why. I think it's a... Um, well, my why is, yeah, I think I think I was just a bit, do you know when you're saying that, like, you, it can be hard work drinking, but mine was more like drinking and drugs, like drugs, were, right. like drinking would lead to like doing coke and things and you know, just like, and for me, I personally don't think, I, I think I could have been like one of those drinkers that could just have like a couple of glasses of wine with food. I think it was okay. fine. But I'm like an all or nothing person. So yeah. even if like I was going out with like the girls or something, or like I don't know, going out, I would always be kind of like in the back of my mind, okay, are we getting a bag? Like, do you know yeah. what I mean? And <laughs> that, that like, ritual. Yeah. And it's like I kind <laughs> of was like, I'd made I'd done like some mistakes in the past where I just regretted and I just knew I wouldn't have done that if I was like not fucked up. Yeah. So like I was just like a couple of things happened and like I think the last time I drank it was like a massive bender it was like August bank holiday last year um and it was literally like Friday night Saturday night Sunday drinking and then I was back getting on the train back from London from back home in Wales to London and I was on the train I was like I can't do this anymore like and I knew it was the drugs but then I knew that drinking was a gateway to drugs and I knew I wouldn't get a bag in if I was, if I wasn't, if I was just, if I wasn't drinking, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't do that just like on a random Friday night, but like I maybe yeah. would if I'd had a few drinks and I was going out and it was just not worth it anymore. And I was just like, I don't want to feel like I'm on a come down until like Thursday. Like it's, what is that about? and yeah. I was even planning on doing it for a long time I was only going to do it for like a hundred days but really yeah I actually was only gonna and I I only started sharing things on like online just like just because I want I'm quite visual I just wanted to like share it as like a visual diary but then yeah. like feeling good most of the time like 90% of the time I'm like why would I ever go back so I just carried on and it's I'm just kind of the sober gay now (laughs) yeah so do you feel like you sharing things online and sharing it for that person do you you find yourself sharing for that person that is still in the position that you was in on that Wednesday Thursday yeah just on that come down you think you know if there's one person that's in that hole yeah I just want yeah and I want people to know that like you can actually like go out and have a good time without doing like drinking or taking drugs. Like, yeah. and especially in the gay community, like the, like drugs is quite like a big thing. Like, and okay. I don't know, a lot of like queer people have like, I don't know, it's, it's just like a thing, you know, like even like everyone, just everyone does it. And I feel like, you know, and I just want people to, I really want people to know that actually there is like, a better life out there and you can just live your life without having to like go to the toilet to do a key every like 20 do you know what I mean it's just like yeah it's like I don't know and I just feel like there's so many benefits from it like you just like you've touched on it as well you like learn to like love yourself more I have anyway and I just feel Mm. like you know yourself more and just even little things like 
enjoying exercising and things like that it's like I've never been like someone that's enjoyed that before so like these little things happen and it just makes you realize that yeah so that and also it's kind of good to like look back at at like the past few months and like even looking back at old videos and things you know like just it's like it's kind of cool to see how far you've come so Mm. no and if it's helping people as well and I just love doing this podcast because it like I love hearing other people's stories as well about it so do you know like everyone has their own like relationship with like drugs and alcohol and 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 yeah basically that's yeah which is yeah I mean just it's really interesting you say that because to have the presence of mind to say if I have uh if i hand my decision about drugs over to someone who's had a drink mm. I, that's going to go one way right yeah so i'm just not going to put myself in that position mm. that's it's very insightful i think it's very self-aware but then it's it's also interesting that you and i feel the same benefits from not using alcohol or drugs yeah but our reasons for doing so would have been completely different. Yeah. Yeah. But the result is still the same. Feeling mm. unhappy while you're doing it, feeling better when you don't. But yeah. the reasons for doing each thing, either sobriety or using. Yeah. Funny, isn't it? But it's also like, I didn't even realise that like that was the problem. Do you know what I mean? Like I didn't realise yeah. that like, it was like drinking like drugs. I just thought it was just like normal that everyone did it. But then after like a hundred, like after a first month or a hundred days, and it's like, oh, actually, yeah, I've stopped these two things, and I actually feel so much better. <laughs> oh, maybe I should just carry on, and maybe what? also it's one of those things. It's like, and maybe that's why I tr- I do talk about it is because like I want people to know there is a life without it, and it's even though it's because it's like advertised so much, and I'm like, but you don't actually have to do it if you don't want to. <laughs> It's a choice. I didn't know that sobriety was a choice. I didn't. <laughs> but it's weird, isn't it? Because you would never be like, I didn't know not smoking was a choice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's, so... it, and and I don't think, because I've consumed quite a lot of sober content. Yeah. I find, I find podcasts super helpful. Um, and of every single recovery story that I've listened to, or any conversation around the subject, and was why I was quite so surprised when you said, oh, I just, you know, I just did it for a bit and then carried on. Mm. Is that anyone who has um, moved into sobriety in a way that they investigate themselves without mm. substances, never, they don't want the receipt, they don't keep the receipt and want it back. Mm. They never go, oh, I'd actually give back those hundred days to mm. be pissed for a hundred days yeah people just go this is just better now it's hard but it's better yeah it is um, so um yeah i totally agree with you it's just like wild because i've said i feel like this is something that i've said before but it's just like i feel like it's like a life hack like a life hack that i never knew that <laughs> it was like a thing <laughs> it is uh it's i i found that I mean, the ripple effect of good things that happen when you're present for your friends, yourself, your family at work, the ripple effect of positivity that spreads unintentionally, it goes so wide. Like, my credit rating's improved by 120 points since I stopped drinking. I I, I always felt insecure about my finances because I was never, I'm not good with money. And I always worried that my credit rating wasn't good. I didn't intentionally improve it it just has as a knock-on effect of how i'm spending my money and spending my time Mm. in a more positive way it reflects in everything else i I kind of imagine it like um a chain of people right so you've got a line of people all lined up and they're all linking arms and each person represents a category within your life um sleep finances health relationships confidence self-esteem and one of those people in that chain is sobriety yeah if sobriety marches forward and and you're convincing that is strong enough, they're linked arms. Everyone else has to follow and they have to march forward. Yeah. 
in your in sobriety so your sleep gets better your finances get better because this the first step is to improve in that one thing and being more present and investigating yourself everything else has to march forward and improve that is so your life true. won't stay the same I love that because like I said earlier I'm quite visual but seeing I can see like all those people like hand, holding hands together that is yeah. so cute. <laughs> <clears throat> um, now that we're on like the topic of like benefits and stuff mm. what are the benefits like for the, like, the main benefits for you that you found that are like oh shit this is really good from from small from very early on to now just we could go into the big things categories of sleeping better or what you know what does what does sleep do for you mm. it's a, what it, your, your brain tidies itself when you're asleep and you get good sleep mm. so anything any problem that you had in the day that you can't seem to find the solution for that's why there's a, the saying called why don't you just sleep on it mm. and deal with it tomorrow it's because your brain tidies itself when you're asleep, right? So the problem that you that you have during the day when you're drinking or taking drugs and you're not allowing yourself good recovery sleep, you're waking up with no clear answer on the problem that you had the day before. Now, if I have an issue at work or an issue with, um, uh, say, a friend or, or in my relationship, at the time, my response emotionally is more mature i'm more present and how i deal with it at the time if it's not fixed there and then by the time i wake up in the morning i'm able to see the wood for the trees a bit more and go actually i'm going to approach it this way can we talk about this can we talk about that i can see your point of view rather than just going straight into victim mentality Mm. and not having not steps that's that's just sleep i don't sleep on the sofa anymore um I used to stay up secret drinking. Yeah. And I was embarrassed to get into bed with my wife because I stunk of booze. I didn't want her to know what time I was going to bed when I got work the next day. Mm. Now I go to bed every night and I kiss my wife before I go to sleep. Um, It's little things like that, isn't it? Yeah. I had, had, um, uh, there's a micro pub that's opened next to my, next to my house that is packed. And it opened after I stopped drinking, right? And I walk past it on the way home from work every day. And I go, "My, I'm, I'm home the time that I said I was going to be home. Yeah, I'm going to be there, present for my wife and my little one. And I'm not walking in there having a quick one before I go. Yeah. And I just think that is just being a reliable person. Yeah. Is, and that then just, you know, to build your self-esteem, you do esteemable things, right? So... Has she found like a big difference then in in you as well? Yeah, we've 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 spoke a bit about it. Um, it's probably not something I would talk about on here, um, because that would be more her story. But yeah. our relationship has improved. Yeah, but even like you yeah. said, like going to bed and like giving a kiss every night, or like going. Yeah. And- home when you said that you're gonna and do you know, like even things like that that's obviously gonna make things better yeah absolutely um I've my productivity at work is through the roof therefore mm. I'm not worrying about am I good enough for my job am I going to lose my job because I'm not good enough it's, your self-esteem improves in that area so I don't worry about my job anymore yeah so I do I do my job I've got a problem I can talk to someone about it properly I'm not flying off the handle randomly like I used to. Mm. I I think there's a... When people talk to me more positively now, I think. I think because I'm more positive about other people. I was very judgy before I stopped drinking. I was so worried about being found out Yeah. that I would try and point the finger at someone else. Fucking hell, have you seen how much they drunk? Yeah. Because I didn't want people to think I was them. Yeah. But... That's that's where I was. That's what I was doing. It's like that saying, isn't it? If you point the finger at someone else, there's hold on, I'd have to do it. Free pointing back at you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um it's one of the is that one of the things it's like saying what we said before, like the holding the mirror, isn't it? It's like oh. Yeah, absolutely. And um I needed to find stuff that I think for me, 
being sober and, and being in sobriety is um is is a life change because if you're doing the same things that you did while you were actively using or in that cloud and this is my experience if i did the same things i did then i would be abstaining from alcohol and white knuckling it mm. now i do things that i didn't do when i was drinking I went to a networking event and got invited to play Dungeons and Dragons. I've never played a role-playing game in my life. Oh, and God. I said, yeah, all right, I'll give it a go. I've never done it before. They went, no, nah, that's all right. If, if it's not for you, we'll just write your character out of it. And yeah. now I play Dungeons and Dragons. And people, my mates at work, take the mickey out of me. They're like, oh, all right, well, Warlock and all that. <laughs> um, which is, but that, that they're, they're four or five people that I meet with once a month that I would never have even yeah. considered being in a room with and they're wonderful people we have such a laugh love that so I, I also when i started um uh journaling and keeping and taking ownership of my pain really and the things and seeing myself as a whole person not wholly good or wholly bad um but a mix of the two started journaling which then turned into what i thought i was writing songs but i wasn't i was writing poems um and I did a few open mic nights and stuff and actually writing down your pain and performing a piece of something that you've written in front of a room full of people is really cathartic because you can go well this is who I am this is how I feel and there's no judgment so in January I'm I'm hosting um an, a spoken word and open mic night in Farringdon in London um and it's called the Sober as Fuck Poetry Club um, oh, nice. you'll have to let me yeah. know when it is yeah excellent uh and, and it's going to be an event for it, it's sober you you there's going to be no alcohol there it's going to be a safe space for people to come along and creatively investigate their relationship with alcohol now i did that while i was still drinking i'd like it if people were sober at the event but i was investigating my my relationship with alcohol while i was still drinking by saying once I start, I can't stop. And that's all right. You can carry on drinking. But if you're thinking about it and seeing sobriety as an option yeah. and you're in pain and you write it down and you read it to a room full of people who are interested to know what your story is, mm. it's very, very freeing to own that pain. And you can then just move forward with, well, what am I going to do with it? Now I own it and I'm not trying to escape it. Um, that's so so good. good for you. That's amazing. That's something so like exciting to look forward to and also like blending in your like love for just like writing things down because it makes you feel good and then it's going to make a room full of other people feel great as well because it's like hearing other people's stories isn't it yeah well where, where you know there there should be a place well there, there are places the sober community is really strong mm. if you're you know if you spend long enough on instagram research and listening to podcasts there's sober events all around um and i just wanted to create one that meant that people could have some kind of input to it and listen to other people. It's not about, you know, I've never been to a sober event, actually. That's a good point. I should probably go. Um, well, you're making one. But, well, there you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it. That's amazing. Um, And also, so, so do you know when you said that you, when in your 20s, they kind of told you to um started writing down your feelings and mm. journey. so is that something that you've like carried on then or yeah. is that you just been like dipping in and out of it um it there was a lot in the first two or three years i've got about seven a4 pads that are just full up really um, yeah but they're full up with there's so much to get out so yeah i don't think they'd make for very good reading there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of dribbling there i think but it helped me at the time whereas now um probably once a week if I've if I've got a subject or something that I'm really struggling with um I just write down how I feel about it and taking it out of your from inside through the pen onto the page and seeing it mm. actually you know helps you visualize what what the issue is and makes you own it you get comfortable with it and go do you know what it doesn't define who I am but it's how I feel yeah and just having insight to your own feelings and looking back on it and going, wow, look how far I've come, you know? Yeah, looking back, it's, yeah. It's really handy. I'd recommend it to anyone. Just move the pen. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what it's, what you will eventually write something down that means something to you. 
because it's for you really at the end of the day because it's like you're not showing it to anyone you're just like like blurting out what you what's inside yeah and it's you know you you'll find a way of expressing yourself that actually becomes quite fun i think you, yeah. you it, I, I don't know if that's would be everyone's experience but using words trying to think about a feeling to put a word to it mm. helps you understand the feeling and then sometimes the words that you use can be quite interesting especially if they rhyme you just have a little yeah. chuckle to yourself because it's as natural i think for people to just instantly go well what would come next yeah. and then it, it turns into a bit of fun but but it's like yeah. it's like being creative isn't it it's like your creative mm. like outlet and then it turns into something like beautiful well that's it i mean that's why we listen to music right because it sounds like someone else is telling your story yeah um and you know you put on music to match your mood because you want your feelings to be out there moving through through you know listening to it it's going through the air if you write it down and then you perform it yeah um and and it you know the, the thing is it's spoken word of poetry so individual to that person how they deliver that piece or how they write it. it doesn't have to rhyme you just stand and yell if you want yeah uh and it's people art. be like oh okay yeah that's it you can be a bit arty a bit wanky be a like bit that. arty with it well <laughs> please let me know when it is like the dates and stuff because i actually oh, you'll be invited definitely um so in one word what would living alcohol free mean to you pain Mm. Um. You, it's so painful being a drinker. It's pain giving up. Mm. Having to take ownership of it and move it in a positive way, and help your pain. So your pain help you in that. Without the shame and guilt, I wouldn't have known that I need to make a change. Yeah. So the pain of that, of that darkness gave me the need for the light. And you can use, if you understand and own your pain and your issues, you can use them to your advantage. Mm. And you can really understand yourself. And once you do that and you, you know, professional help works for me um what's in someone else's toolkit might be different for them but if you can use that pain for good you can then keep moving forwards and any anything that is worth having is hard work right yeah definitely but i try not i try to be as honest as i can about sobriety we can talk about how fantastic it is and it is Mm. but i think that does scare people off in the early days because they don't go shit my life's not instantly better so i must be doing it wrong yeah it's a it's a progressive thing that's true and also when you're saying the like shame and guilt thing i feel like that is so comforting for other people to like if they're hearing this and feeling like they've regretted things that they've done and they want to like reevaluate their like relationship with it you don't have to just stop you can actually just notice that like drinking is not doing these good things for you so it's like it's like a stepping it's like like I said before it's like a everyone's relationship is different so yeah but like yeah noticing that everyone has have shame have got shame and guilt from things and and you can change and it's like yeah thank you for sharing that because I think that's going to be super helpful for people Mm -hmm. no problems well thank you for today um i had a super nice chat with you i think i hope you enjoyed it too and um i'm glad that you spent this morning with me chatting about this because i don't know i got a lot from it so hopefully a lot of the listeners have as well and i hope you um, it. i'm so grateful for your time and for sitting with me while that got a bit heavy sometimes it's okay <laughs> um and what yeah it's a it's a great podcast what you do and the space that you give people is very valuable because um i owe my sobriety to the people that shared yeah and and how honest they were Mm. um i'm grateful to them so i'm trying to pay it forward yeah 
Yeah, if you can help one person, or even when you get like one message saying that like, oh, you're keep you're getting me going, do you know, like it just means everything, doesn't it? So I think sharing yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, so if anyone is interested in following you like online or anything like that, um, or maybe interested in the mic night, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is like? Where can they find you if you're happy? Um, Instagram is sober af underscore poetry club yeah and tiktok is at ready brinster r-e-a-d-y-b-r-i-n-s-t-a perfect i'll also put that in the show notes as well so people can cool but um yeah thank you again and enjoy your weekend whatever you're doing um it's pretty nice out there i think but yeah (laughs) yeah nice one Thanks, Sean. Well, I'll speak to you soon. And yeah, have a nice weekend. Take care, bud. Bye. Bye. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to find me online, I am on Instagram at Sober Gay Podcast. I am also on TikTok under at the Sober Gay underscore. I'll see you next week.